All right, you guys, this has been a really fun series. We're, we're coming to a close. We have Easter coming up next week. Make sure, continue. Let's be praying for those people that we've put on our lists. Let's be believing for salvation and for a, a re returning to the Lord for those whose love has grown cold and, and that we would see this be a, a, a major win for the Lord and for the kingdom that he would have his reward that we would see people coming in to his family and the father having his sons and daughters brought home. Amen? Amen. Lord, let it be. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And, um, and I, I want to tell you three different things that I, that I, that I want to point out. Here's our outline today. In the, in the area of spiritual warfare, the first thing that I want to talk about is that all battles are won from the place of intimacy. All battles that we fight in spiritual warfare, we win from the place of intimacy with the Father. Number two, we fight the same way that Jesus did with the sword, which is the word of God. And number three, having done all, then we stand. All right, so we're going to go through those three things. So let's begin with the first one. All battles are won from intimacy. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah. Don't I sound kind of grizzled? It's a good grizzled voice for some spiritual warfare. Oh. All right, let's start with John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them, no one's snatching me. That is the truth. Come on. And it gets even better. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. Did you catch that? Let's do it again. Turn to your neighbor and say, my daddy is greater than all. That's right. That's right. That's, this, is all, this is all. We should just go home. All right. And he says, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. <clears throat> and all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And our daddy is greater than all. This is where we're standing. This is where you are. When we took communion this morning and preached the gospel, you and I have been placed in Jesus' hand, in the Father's hand. He has all authority, and no one can snatch us from that place. Amen? That's who you are. That's where you are. And you know what you did to earn it? Nothing. So do you know what you can do to unearn it? You got it. Nada. Um, uh, could somebody get me just some hot water? Just some hot Anybody. Anybody in the name of Jesus. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> the cream in the coffee seems to be going the wrong direction here. I'm getting more grizzled. So we are safe in his hands. We're safe in his hands. And there's nothing we can do to disqualify ourselves. As long as it is today, don't harden your heart. As long as, it is, as you have breath in your lungs, there's still hope. If you're living and breathing right now, there is hope. So no matter what's going on, you need to know nothing can snatch you from his hands. All right. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says this. <clears throat> but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, 
made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. He is so ridiculously generous. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I want to look at that. Somebody tell me, where are we seated? In heavenly realms. Where? In Christ Jesus. Now, you guys, I want you to understand something. The water that we swim in is western water, which has a lot of gifts in it. It's beautiful. Some beautiful, good things about this western thought water. But one of the things that's not that great about western thought water is that western thought is highly influenced by the spirit of this world through the idea... Hot water. Thank you. Through the idea of essentially secular humanism and materialism. Meaning there is no spirit realm. We live in a place that doesn't believe in the spirit realm. When it comes to a whole lot of things, we're very, very wise. When it comes to the spiritual, so dumb. (laughs) Willfully ignorant, actually. Everything goes through the lens of materialism minus the spirit. Now, I'm not saying that's what everybody here is doing, but it's okay for us to recognize that the God of this age has blinded the minds and eyes of many people so they don't even consider that there's a spiritual war going on. So we have a tendency to assume that everything is psychological, everything is simply material or chemical, and although many times that's involved, that's not the only thing that's involved. Can you receive that? So this kind of sounds crazy to us. Like, wait a minute, I'm seated in heavenly places? That sounds like a fairy tale. Yeah, well, so does people being raised from the dead. And yet that's why you're here. You are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places right now in the third heaven. There's a war in the second heaven where angels and demons are fighting for the future of the earth. Now the future is set, but those who get an opportunity to choose them Still up to us. Amen? Choose the the Lord. You guys with me? And so we are seated in the third heaven in Christ Jesus who is interceding always for us. That's pretty good news. While at the same time we're standing on the earth with Christ in us. We are representing him here while seated in a superior spiritual position through Christ Jesus, not through what we've done, but through what he has done. That is the position that we're in, seated next to the Father, who says, call me Daddy. Call me Daddy. When you're talking to me, I want you to call me Daddy, Abba, Father. You with me? This is the intimacy that we walk in. This is the spiritual reality that we're seated in. So when we come into these spiritual battles, spiritual warfare, we're not coming from a place of being down here hoping we have air cover. How many of you guys have ever seen the movies, right? They're down there and they're calling in, we're in our own dark Charlie and I need the air cover. And they're all getting taken fire. We're, we're both places. We're like, I need air cover. And we're like, I'm right here. It's coming. <laughs> At the same time, this is really good news. I get the sense you guys don't believe me. Do you believe me? So he says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Woo, we got a good daddy. Lastly, John 17 says this. 
Well, lastly, for this point, there's a whole lot more, by the way. (laughs) Father, the hour has come. Jesus is praying. We're going to read verse 1 and then 13 through 19. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Now listen to this. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is to know God. You and I are not fighting a spiritual battle so that we can receive eternal life. You and I have been given eternal life, and from eternal life, from eternity, we're fighting a battle that others could receive eternal life as well. Jesus continues, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Did you hear that? God's not in a big fat hurry for us to get up into heaven for the five minutes we're going to be there before he brings heaven back to earth and makes a new heaven and a new earth. What he's looking for is that we would see Uh, His kingdom expanded that people would come out of darkness into the light, that sons and daughters would be saved from the evil one and given the opportunity to choose the Father. You guys, there's no greater defeat of the enemy than when someone who has been in darkness turns and is born again and comes into the light. There's no better smackdown to the devil than when Jesus Christ comes on the scene and someone says, Abba, Father, I have sinned. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Boom. (laughs) Come on. So if you're thinking about spiritual warfare, remember the big win is when somebody is born again and begins to walk in the kingdom. When you're thinking of spiritual warfare, understand that your faithfulness in continuing to walk in the kingdom is part of the win. How will they hear? Unless we preach. How will they hear unless you and I are there to say, have you heard the good news? What you talking good news? Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and he wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to live forever. That sounds crazy. I know. It's because you don't deserve it. It is crazy. And I don't deserve it either. Are you with me? All right. So it's from this place of intimacy and he continues, he says, uh, protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. And for them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. You and I have been sanctified by Christ. We are seated in Christ. We have been saved by grace and not by works. And God is our daddy. All right, so that's the position we do spiritual battle from. Are you convinced? All right, if, that's, if you're convinced, just raise your hand and say, I received that for myself. All right, we got a bunch of believers in this house. That being said, let's get to the next point. We fight with the sword just like Jesus. I want you guys to just say with me, it is written. All right, that is fighting words. All right, that's fighting words right there. 
Jesus fought like that. Let's read the story of how Jesus fought. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, what's he doing? Prove to me who you are. He's trying to get Jesus to prove something to him. Let me tell you something, you amazing saints. You have nothing to prove and no one to impress. Jesus has already proved who he is and he is very impressed with you for believing him. That's all you need. So when Satan comes and says, you need to prove this, you get to answer just like Jesus did. So let's see what he said. Satan says to him, if you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written. Say, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there Jesus lays it out right there. The sword. He takes out the sword and he starts swinging it at the accusations of the enemy. Man shall not live by bread alone. I'm not going to do this little miracle for you to prove something. I'm going to take the scriptures out that my father gave and inspired through the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to defeat you with the right word in context with the reality of the kingdom. Amen? So he takes a swing at the devil. The devil's like, okay, I lost that one. (laughs) So then the devil took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, and you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, you notice the devil's quoting scripture here. So the devil's like, let me take a little scripture out of context to try to justify getting you to do the wrong thing. This is straight up spiritual warfare. Satan does that to this day. How many times have you met somebody who's trying to follow the Lord by misapplying the scriptures? So we got to use a spirit of discernment here. Now, at this point, what Satan's doing is he's tempting him publicly. You need to come out in public and prove to the world that you're the son of God. You're up on the temple, throw yourself down. How cool will that be? Everybody will see this guy fall off the temple and the angels swoop in and catch him. They'll be like, who's that guy? The devil's trying to get Jesus to illegitimately prove himself to people, seeking that approval. What What does God say to them? Jesus answered him, it is also written, (laughs) Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now he's trying to get Jesus to fulfill his mission illegitimately. Jesus was there to save the world. And he goes, I'll give you the whole world. Wouldn't you pretty much be saving it there? You don't even have to go to the cross. So now he's trying to get him to illegitimately fulfill the world. He wants, to, he wants him to fight God's battles with Satan's weapons. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. You and I are called to fight the same way. You and I are called to fight the same way. We also take the word, the sword of the spirit, and we attack the devil with it. Let me tell you a story. When I was a little kid, we lived in this little ranch house, and I used to have night terrors. I think I was about five years old. And, um, and I would have night terrors. And then when I would wake up from the night terror, there would be these three demons standing at the bottom of my bed. And how many of you guys have ever woken up, right, when you can't even move or breathe? You're just like, right? 
Okay, now physically there's a thing your body does when you're sleeping where it actually does like paralyze your body. And so sometimes you can wake up and your body's still under that disconnect from your brain. The reason why your brain does that is so when you're dreaming, if you go running or something in your dream, you don't get up and like go run into a wall. So the Lord in his kindness made it to where we can sleep well without acting out our dreams. And some of you sleepwalking people need healed because you're supposed to stop doing that. But, but here's the thing, is that I would wake up and yeah, so maybe that was still going on, but that doesn't account for the three demons at the bottom of my bed and the fact that it kept happening while they were there. So here's these demons. And I, rem- I would remember too, I'd know when they'd come. Sometimes I wouldn't even be dreaming. I'd just be asleep, but I could just feel the, the, the temperature in the room would shift and this darkness would come in and I would wake up with such sheer terror the sense of terror would wake me up out of my sleep because I could feel the presence of evil in my room. And I'd wake up and I'd see him and I'd be like, <laughs> until I could finally go, mama! And then my mom would come running in. You know, it's funny too. How many times we call for mama instead of dad? That's an interesting one, isn't it? I don't know what's up with us dads. Do any of you dads have the kids call for you when they have night terrors? They want mama bear. They don't need daddy McTickles a lot. They're like, get mama in here. She'll get it done. So she would come running in, she would pray, they'd be standing there, she'd pray, they would leave eventually. Well, it kept happening night, night after night, and my mom was getting frustrated. Why, why, God, don't you just keep these things away from my little baby? That's right, that was my mama's baby. I probably still am. At any rate, she was talking to the Lord, and the Lord said, here's why, because you need to teach your son how to fight his own battles. She's like, he's five. He's like, that's not the point. And so she did exactly, she taught me to do exactly what Jesus did. She gave me two edges to the sword. She said, all right, Joshua, here's what you're going to do. She talked to me about Jude 1.9. It says, even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So she said, what this means is you don't have to call the devil names. Don't get into a pride fight with the devil. That's his weapons. Don't insult him. Even the angel Michael didn't insult the devil. Don't be stupid. That's a say law for some of us. You're not going to defeat the devil by being proud. All right? But you can say this to him. The Lord rebuke you. Go away in Jesus' name. I was like, all right. She said, here's the second thing you're going to learn. It's from 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And we were New King James or King James back then. So it was greater is he who's in thee than he who's in the world. Which rhymes quite nicely. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. We taught that to our kids. And so I was armed with these two scriptures. She said, so when they come back tonight. Not if they come back. But when they come back. My mom was hardcore. When they get there. Then I want you to tell them, greater is, tell yourself, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. They know you're five years old, but wait till they see Jesus. And then you're going to say to them, the Lord rebuke you, go away in Jesus' name. And so that night, they showed back up, and I woke up, I couldn't even move, but I remembered, okay, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world, but I could not move. I couldn't even talk. I could barely breathe. I was just, and so I just, And then I just went, Jesus, and they left, and they never came back. Now, I used those scriptures later. Well, you should rejoice. A five-year-old just kicked the devil's butt. All right. Jesus kicked the devil's butt. But the five-year-old was collaborating, and Father was real proud. But I did go on to use 
those parts of the sword again and again in many different situations. And the point that I'm trying to make here is that the word of God caused the enemy to leave. And as soon as I understood that Christ was in me, then those bullies didn't show back up because it was a useless battle for them. This is a reality. This is a reality is that when you take the sword and you fight a spiritual battle, you will win. And if you don't quit, you will win. Now, I love this because part of it was she started with the fact is greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Where are you seated? In heavenly places. Who's in you? Jesus Christ. Amen. What about the enemy? He has to go away. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. You have to go away. You don't have a legitimate right to be here. Christ has won every victory. Go away in Jesus' name. I'm not going to call you names. I'm not going to try to act tough. I'm five years old. I know I'm not tough. But you know who's in me? The one who defeated you and made a spectacle of you. Now leave in the name of Jesus. One of the things that I want you guys to understand is that you're born into a battle. Many of us try to ignore. We're afraid of the things that we don't understand. Amen? The things that we don't understand can be scary because we don't understand them. It's like, I don't know how to fight this. Well, the reality is you were born to fight. You were born for war. You were born into a war. And in Christ, the victory is assured, but you will fight battles for the rest of your life on this earth until he comes and brings total peace. All right? So you got to buck up, buttercup. When we were doing the listening prayer last week, the Lord gave me a nice little, you know, a nice little spanking and a hug, as Pastor Janelle likes to say. That's a great phrase. All right. You know, because you, you, know, you get it wrong. But then you're like, come here, I love you, I'm proud of you. Now let's, let's do better. Here's what it was. As we were meditating on the scripture, and it said, the wind was against them. Do you guys remember the scripture last week? Last week was awesome, right? You guys remember? You didn't already forget, did you? All right, the wind was against them. And it says, then Peter, when he saw the wind, he got scared and he fell in the water. And that was the, what the Lord highlighted to me. He's like, Joshua, why do you keep waiting for the wind to stop being against you. You are in a battle, son. And I was like, oh my gosh, buck up, buttercup. Like, what happened to you, man? You're just waiting around. When are we gonna be in the peace and then there'll be no more fights and stuff and bad things? Oh, daddy, God. And he's like, son, I love you. Come here, let me give you a hug. Now put your armor back on. Take that diaper off. You are, the wind is against you. Quit checking with the wind to see whether or not you should be encouraged. Look at Jesus. And I was like, this is a good word, Lord. Maybe it's for the church. I probably was just weak like that for somebody out here. <laughs> First Peter 4 says this, 12 through 19. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Joshua Revis, the wind is against you. But rejoice. And you too, guys, by the way. Don't hide behind my foolishness. But rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Did you catch that? If you're noticing that the spirit of the world thinks you're a big lame rejoice. They don't like Jesus. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler, 
What's a meddler? That's a gossip. Where do we meddle these days? There's a say law for you right there. Clickety-clickety-clack. Okay. <laughs> However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed. Praise God that you bear that name, for it's time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. It got quiet in here. I'm going to read that one again. So then, we're good. Those who suffer according to God's will. Stop waiting for the wind to be against you. To stop being against you, I'm sorry. Stop waiting for the wind to stop. Guys, we're supposed to go against the grain. We're supposed to have pressure. We're supposed to suffer according to his will. Don't do it for stupid reasons. Don't go pick stupid fights. But for crying out loud, let's not miss out on the glory of suffering with Christ for the right reasons. Let's get in the battle. Amen? Now, now that we're all convinced that we're supposed to be in a battle, right? All right. Are you convinced you're supposed to be in a battle yet? I'm having too much fun probably. Are you guys having fun? All right. You're like a nervous laugh. (laughs) All right. So, now that we know that we're in the battle, now that we know we're supposed to be in the battle, and in fact, that there's a certain level of suffering that we should just embrace as a part of this life, like being misunderstood, like being maligned and gossiped against and judged and people picking fights with you because they don't like Jesus yet. But here's the thing, those very people are the ones that God's in love with and wants to be snatched out of the enemy's hands, snatched out of the, the influence of the enemy, right? It says the God of this age has blinded the eyes and hearts of those that are, that are in this world, lest they believe. So we're actually fighting a spiritual battle so that we can win the hearts and minds of people that hopefully they might believe in Christ. That's why we continue to do good. Second Corinthians, by humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face, but be bold towards you when I went away, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some who think that they that we live by the standards of this world. Now, did you catch this? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Our weapons of warfare are mighty. We don't wage war like the world wages war. We actually come in the opposite spirit. The, the, the Israelites expected Jesus to show up and literally rain down fire and kill the Romans and all the other oppressors. And what did he do? He showed up and got himself killed and defeated Satan fully and completely. And now we're continuing the great work of seeing all that will be reconciled be reconciled. But it was an opposite spirit, wasn't it? It's like the upside-down kingdom. It's a, he comes as a, as a servant. He comes as a lamb. He comes, and instead of taking lives, he gives his life so that he can save lives. 
Guys, we fight the same way Jesus fights. So we take out the sword of the spirit and we attack the second heaven by praying the scriptures. Are you with me? And then we act in the opposite spirit with individuals so that we can then see those individuals come into the kingdom. What does that look like? Let me share another story with you. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. When I was working in a certain job, you know, I would go there and I'd pray each day, you know, okay, Lord, I'm so excited. I just found out about the gospel of the kingdom versus the gospel of churchianity. That's a whole nother message, but I was so excited because I'm like, I'm in full-time ministry in business, which is where I want to be. And the Lord's like, yeah, for 10 minutes, I'm taking you to the church after that. But for those five years, I was super excited in this particular job that I was in because I'm like, I get to be a, I had this pastoral call on my life. So I'm like, I get to be a pastor in business, love on these people, and I don't have to be a pastor in a church. So everything was working well. So I was praying, and I'm like, Lord, yay, I'm here, I am with these people. And as I was there working, and I pray each day for these guys, I'm praying, there was this one guy, and man, he was just such a smart aleck like me, and he would just come after me, right? He just was always coming after me. And so he would be teasing me and getting everybody laughing at me, and he would, and I'm like, all right, go ahead, go ahead. But here's the thing, I'm pretty quick myself, and so I would turn it around, and I had everybody laughing at him. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I'm doing good. I'm so smart and funny. Everybody loves me, which is what I like. And at a certain point, the Lord goes, Joshua, I didn't send you here to win at being a smart aleck. <laughs> I sent you here to love these people. Now start loving this guy. This guy was, like, he started it. He was coming after me, but I kept finishing it. That's right. I'm still proud of myself about that because I'm in, I'm in process of sanctification. But the Lord was like, stop it. Stop it. I want, you to, I want you to love strategically. Get after it. And so I just started loving this guy. I just would go out of my way. I just started complimenting him, like real compliments, not fake ones, like real ones. Like, man, that's an amazing thing, asking questions, asking him about himself. I would go out one time. I was out getting something for myself. The Lord's like, get him one of those. Like, are you just kidding me right now? Like, I'm not dating this guy. He's like, just buy it for him. It's like, all right. Years later, that guy, I got to do his wedding. When I became a pastor, he asked me to do his wedding. Later, I got to work with him and through some things he was going through. The Lord built a road towards seeing that guy be loved in the kingdom. And that guy calls me when he's going through things because he knows I love him. And he's closer to Christ now because of that. What's the point? I had to come in the opposite spirit, though. I was praying in the second heaven, oh, Lord, I pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, Lord Jesus. Every place I set my foot belongs to you. And then somebody's like, pop it down. And I'm like, oh, yeah, boom, right into the same spirit of the world. The Lord's like, no, dummy, because he calls me dummy because we have a special relationship like that. (laughs) You guys might not be as intimate with the Father, but I'm seated in Christ's heavenly places. And he's like, that's my little dummy right there. And so I changed my actions to match my prayers. And you know what happened? I won that battle. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be seated in intimacy in heavenly places. Pray the scriptures according to God's desire and design. You know what's interesting about the scriptures? That two-edged sword cuts down the enemy, but it also cuts through our heart to our motivations and reminds us. The scripture, when you're praying scripture, it reminds you who God is. It reminds you who you are. It reminds you who the enemy is. It reminds you what God's will is. And so what happens? It purifies your heart while it pulverizes the works of the devil. That's why Jesus did it. If it worked for Jesus, it's going to work for us. Amen. 
When we're praying outside of the scripture, and I'm not saying it's wrong to pray outside of the scripture, we pray those kinds of prayers too, but, but your, your whole prayer life is to be shaped by praying the scriptures. So then when you do pray, it ends up sounding a whole lot like the scriptures. When you and I pray, in fact, at one point it says this, it says, you do not have because you do not ask, but when you ask, you ask amiss that you may spend it on your lusts. How many of you guys know that we can be praying, trying to have a spiritual battle, but we're actually praying amiss because we're not letting the scriptures shape us. We're not using the sword. We're just praying our own will. We're not saying, Lord, let your will be done. We're saying, Lord, let my will be done. That's not a battle you're going to win. He's not going to say, God is not going to say amen to a prayer that you pray that's outside of Christ's character and mission and the Father's desire that it be on earth as it is in heaven. He's not going to say amen. Lord, give me a Lamborghini, Lord, that people would know that people that serve you are always blessed. He's like, Josh, come on, dummy. I'm hurting somebody's feelings with that, sorry. <laughs> it's probably my mom. <laughs> All right, and here's the last one. Are you guys with me? This is not, this is not hard to understand, but it's essential that we do it. If we don't do it, we'll keep losing battles. Amen? So here's the thing. Now you guys are in it. You're seated in heavenly places. You understand it's from a place of intimacy. Now what do you do? We finish with this. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand. Say stand. stand. Say it one more time loud. Stand. Yeah. Against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Where's the battle? Not against flesh and blood. But we do have one. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. I love that last sentence there. Stand your ground, and after you've done everything, stand. This is where a lot of us actually start to lose, right? Imagine for a moment, if you will, you remember the, the story of the prodigal son, right? The story of the good father. The son, you guys remember it? All right, son decides, like, I want, you're better dead to me than alive. Give me my money. He heads out, spends a bunch of time drinking, partying, and hanging out with prostitutes, blows all of his money, ends up with the pigs, decides, you know what, I'll at least be a servant in my daddy's house, which will live better than out here feeding pigs. I'll go home, beg him for forgiveness, and I'll live there as his servant instead of his son, because I've definitely blown that deal up. So then he comes home, and the father runs out, greets him, and restores him. And this, the, 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 Jesus is like, this is what my father's heart is towards you. It's a beautiful story. Imagine, though, if you will, that the son goes out, does all that, decides to come home. But when he gets there, he shows up, and there's like a foreclosure sign on the house. And he's like, what is even happening? So he goes around town, finds his dad. His dad's drunk in the alley. He's totally broke. Looks for his brother. He's dead. Because while they were gone, the father and the son forgot who they were decided to go ahead and spend all their money on prostitutes and partying. And so the son came home in order to realize, like, wow, everything's ruined. There's no hope. That's a horrible story, isn't it? I mean, good night. It just hurts my feelings to even say it. My heart's like, ugh. Okay, but here's the thing. Having done all, stand. 
See, the father continued to be exactly who he was and do exactly what he had always done because having done all, he stood while he waited for his son to come home. Saints, here's the thing. That's where the enemy comes after us is he's consistently, Jesus told a parable about this. He said it like this. His was better than my remake of his. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a servant who is left in charge of all of the things. But after a while, he thought, you know what? I don't know if my master's coming home. So he started drinking and beating the servants. And he says, but the master will come home at a time that he doesn't expect him. And that will not be good. And he says, so with you, don't lose faith. Be faithful. The enemy comes after us when we're in those protracted battles and he tries to get us to stop standing. This is the area where most of us get defeated in the area of spiritual warfare. Many of us are good at praying the scriptures. Many of us are good at continuing to remember that we are in Christ, that we're seated in Christ Jesus, which by the way is huge. But oftentimes when we lose the battle, it's actually in the place of standing. That having done all, we, first we start by standing, but after a, while, after a while we're like, man, this is not changing very well. Like this is taking longer than I thought. This is harder than I thought. I thought that person would be back in the fold by now. And we're like, well, maybe a couple extra pancakes will make me feel better while I wait. Maybe a couple extra pints will make me feel better while I wait. Maybe a little sex outside of marriage will really, you know, kind of take the edge off. Maybe I should just lower my standard on what it is even to follow Christ because, I mean, good night. We're not here to be legalistic, right? It's all about grace. Next thing you know, there's no difference between our lives and anybody else in this world. So if somebody was going to come back into the faith according to the prayers that we're praying and they find us and our life looks just like the world, what do we have to offer? Let me read a little, um, we're, we're, wow, okay, we're out of time. But let me read this to you and then we'll wrap up with some prayer. Are you guys super encouraged right now? <laughs> All right, listen to this. This is a beautiful uh, little quote um, from the, uh, not quote, little excerpt from uh, Pete Gregg's book. Speaking of spiritual warfare. The Bible does indeed teach that there are spiritual powers at work in our world affecting organizations and cultures as well as individuals. Second, as citizens of heaven, we must exercise great discernment so we can stand against these powers. What you're up against in being saved, says Stanley Auerwes, is not simply your personal faults and foibles, your petty temptations and picadillos. You're up against what we call the principalities and powers. Evil is large, cosmic, organized, subtle, pervasive, and real. The power never appears as evil or coercive, the powers always masquerade as freedoms that we have been graciously given or as necessities that we cannot live without. See, this is the area where many of us lose the spiritual battle is because we allow ourselves to be slowly coerced into giving ourselves over to the very powers that we're resisting, accepting them almost as like an angel of light. This is the area we have to understand. Then having put on your armor, stand. Stand, therefore, Stand, therefore, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breast of plate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming hours, arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. We're seated in Christ. We fight from the place of intimacy. We use the sword of the Spirit 
to pray the will and words of God. And having done all, let us continue to stand. Amen? Can you receive that? All right, so why don't we stand together and we'll, we'll wrap up with prayer. And um, afterwards, the uh, home group leaders and the elders and the prayer team will come forward. We'd love to minister to you, serve you in any way in your ministry. God, I ask, Lord, that these would not just be more words from Joshua. Lord, what I ask is that your word would go deep into our hearts, Lord. I trust, Holy Spirit, that you've been convicting our hearts right now, that you've been showing us those places where we can tighten it up, Lord, showing us those places where we can begin to win battles that we forgot to even fight, that we've grown weary from, Lord, showing us the gaps, Lord, where we've put on some armor but not other. And Lord, showing us that we must stand, Lord, that we would walk together, Father, as a people set apart unto you, enjoying your kingdom, Lord, that our homes would be filled with your presence and peace, Lord. So today as we leave this place, I pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, you would show us those places where we need to repent, turning away from sin, turning away from allowing the enemy to defeat us and those that we love, and turning unto your kingdom to see it established in those very places. I release hope over this body in the name of Jesus Christ. Clarity of mind. Conviction of heart. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be established in Christ. And be faithful in having done all. In Jesus' name, stand. Amen. God bless you guys.